Hello, I'm Ruth Blakely. And I'm Caroline Schwabi. And you are listening to the Experience Wine Podcast. And in general, the podcast is about how you can travel with a glass of wine. Um, your love of a specific area can be enhanced with wine. And sometimes, like today, Caroline, we are traveling to a place that neither of us have been it's I'm so surprised that you haven't been yet, actually. It's on the list. Is it? It is on the is list. Is it high up on the list? Uh, it's high up on my list, but not so high up on my partner's list. So he's he's kind of a little South America shy. But anyway. That, it'll happen. It'll happen. It'll happen. Um, we are talking about Argentina. Now, what do you know about Argentina, Caroline? Abs- honestly, Absolutely nothing. I know very, very, very little about Argentina and about Argentinian wines. So, so maybe we can start all learn today. together. <laughs> we can all learn together. I'm guessing you might know a few things. Oh, I know a little bit about the wine, you know, and a little bit about the region. So when you think about Argentina, I want people to picture the the continent of South America and kind of think about how Chile runs along the west coast. Well, Argentina kind of snuggles in beside it, and it's a big country. Uh, it is a very mountainous country, and. Wow, it sure looks incredibly beautiful in the photographs and on Google Earth. Let's go. Let's go. I know. It would be so exciting. Um, Argentinian wines, though, are you starting to see them pretty much everywhere you go? I'm finding that the section at the wine shop is getting a little bit larger. It seems to be taking up a little more space uh, at the liquor store. And so I am really curious. In fact... Um, on the weekend, we had some friends over, so I wanted to go pick up a bottle, and I, I sort of browsed it, but because my knowledge is so lacking, I, I uh, stepped to the side and bought, picked up a different bottle. So, I think pretty much if you go to a gathering where there's more than five bottles of wine, almost always one of them will be an Argentinian Malbec. Right. Yeah. Um, Argentina is considered New World. Have we talked about that before, Old World versus New World? And not that I remember. So old world wines are Europe, Italy, France, Spain, Germany. I think that Argentina could also lay claim to being old world, even though they're obviously new world because they've been making wine there for 450 years. Give that, or take. You know, that's amazing. Because the explorers... The Spanish conquistadors, they brought wine, they brought grapes. The church, of course, the Catholic church, they, you know, those monks, they know how to grow some grapes. Oh, yeah. We've talked about how they grew grapes in Burgundy. Well, they also planted a lot of grapes in Argentina. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, in Argentina, most of the wine that we see in North America is from an, uh, an area called Mendoza. Mm-hmm. And Mendoza is quite high altitudinally. It is sheltered by the mountains on one side. It's, uh, you know, about 4,200 feet, give or take, above sea level. Right. And the majority of wines in that region are, can you guess? I'm guessing Malbec. Malbec. <laughs> Absolutely. Kidding. Yeah. So some, I like I, I know I like Malbec, so I'm looking forward to uh, our Malbec today. We do have a Malbec today. Um, the government in Argentina got behind the wine industry 
And that's one of the reasons that a lot of things got planted. And the government has so far kind of not messed with the renaissance in the grapes that started hmm, probably in about the mid-1980s, where the quality of the wine became really important. Now, when people think of Malbec, they tend to think of something that is affordable and still tasty. And I think that that is still very much true. But uh, you can also spend a lot of money in Argentinian wine if you have a mind to. Actually, I thought it was a little later that they kind of had their... Uh, the big push. There, yeah, exactly. So that's interesting to hear that it was in the 80s. It might have been, a li- it was a little early for me. <laughs> I think, well, you know, yeah. You know, <laughs> Sorry. Some people might not have been old enough to drink then, but I think what happened is, you know, they started being very serious about the grapes. At some point, they did pull out a lot of Malbec vines, which is really sad because you might have some beautiful old vines, and they started planting European varieties like Cabernet Sauvignon. <sighs> Oh, so they actually replaced them. They did replace them. So Why something would they choose that that just for for sales. You know, to, marketing reasons. Yeah. You know, um, Cabernet Sauvignon is is very much a very marketable grape, and and Malbec, well, it's originally a French grape, um, certainly doesn't have the same level of cachet. And it, it seems to me that people just started drinking Malbec sort of more regularly. Like you said, if you get a gathering and, and there's more than a couple of bottles of wine, there's going to be a, uh, an Argentinian. And and I think that it seems to me that people just started drinking Malbec like 10 years ago. I think probably it became very mainstream about 10 years ago. Oh, so I'm sort of... So I think you're kind of right in with, with, with what most people's experience might okay. be. Okay. Um, and of course, again, nobody can resist a bargain, right? And I think the Argentinians do have a bit of an issue there because when they, you know, when you have, say, a premium producer like Acheval Ferrer, for example, where their wines in North America, you know, easily top $100, I think that that's a bit of a, that's a, bit of a tough sell. Uh, certainly wine geeks know about those particular producers, but, you know, it's very hard to say, okay, well, I can get a really great bottle for under 30, so why should I spend 100 yeah. It's a tough sell. Yeah. But again, there is more than Malbec in Argentina. So... Tell me more about that. So today... And <laughs> oh, no, we'll stick to Malbec today. No, we're not going to stick to Malbec today because we have another wine as well. And, oh, good. And it is a white wine, and it is not a grape that you might see so often and to all of the people who are going to con- cringe I'm going to apologize for all of my pronunciations today as you always do well my <laughs> Spanish is particularly bad is so this producer is Temonte it's owned by Huarpe uh, and Temonte is um, a very um, accessible brand they tend to be very smart about how they make and price their wines. They have an excellent winemaker. Um, and Temonte is their entry-level wine. Okay. And we have a Tarantes today. I know nothing about that grape variety. It is a white grape. It is actually three white grapes, if we're going to be really picky about it. But it, it this one is a Tarantes Riojanan. I'm not saying that right. Which is the most common Tarantes. It is um, floral and spicy, and it is a lot of things that you might find in a grape that's from a region of the world that I know you're more familiar with, 
Germany and northern France, which Indeed. is it does have a little bit of the characteristics sometimes of a Gewurztraminer. Oh, cool. Which so I'm also I'm, saying badly. I'm sitting here and I haven't even stuck my nose in the glass yet. And these floral and just beautiful aromas are wafting towards me. I can already, my mouth is already salivating. It is a very, this is a very <clears throat> aromatic, this is an excellent example of Tarantas. Good. It is an excellent, because it's quite well made. Um, and again, floral, floral, floral. Yeah. It is. You, now, you, you mentioned that it's actually technically three grape varieties. So this is I'm, all, this is all one. One grape variety that is it. Torontes is actually, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce the other ones, Torontes is actually three different varieties. What we see in North America and almost all of the premium ones is the uh, Riojano. It's like Rioja with a no on the end. Um, And that is almost all that we would see in North America. Okay. And I can't speak for the UK, but I expect the same. Uh, And and again, this uh, wine is really widely available around the world. Simante is is um, again part of Warpe, which is not a not a t- they're not huge, but they're not tiny. Um, it's, it's kind of tough to get a beat on the color. It's it is quite pale. Light. I would call it pale lemon. Yes, I would call it pale lemon yellow. Yeah, there's a little bit of lemony in there too. There's a little At bit least of citrus. In the nose, there is a little bit of citrus. Okay, let's try it. And a little teensy bit of spice. So again, we're drawing the wine across our tongue. It's quite bright and fresh. Uh, relatively high acid. I was going to say it ends with the it ends with the lemon, the acidic uh, notes at the end, and I love that. I always love that. It uh, would be lovely generally. with something super like it, this is something that goes really well with Southeast Asian food. Right. Um, even though it's not sweet. And usually with Southeast Asian food, we do want something that's a little bit sweet. Um, this one is not. This one finishes quite dry. It does, but it, um, there's pronounced fruit as well. Like it um, at the back of the tongue. Uh, you know, what is that part called where you taste? I guess it's sour. I guess yeah, that's where it is. You taste it sour. is. It's 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 that whole. You're starting to salivate a little bit. Right. It it does. It um sort of wakes that part up and um gets your attention. So I can imagine with uh, some spice or or great with starters, right? You know, yeah. any kind of like little appy. You don't need food with this. I will say that. No, no. Th- and this, this is, is this, this is, is another really nice patio wine. Yeah. Um, hot tub wine. Whatever it, and it is also priced accordingly. Again, okay, Timonte again. Um, Warpe is is a is a really fine producer. This wine is relatively inexpensive. I'd be surprised if you would pay more than twenty five dollars for this anywhere. Um, it would be it would be less in the U.S. Um, probably you know under twenty there, but I think it's easily worth that money. It's got a pretty decent finish. I, I agree. It's. Um well, first of all, I don't think it absolutely requires spicy food or any of that. Like, you could drink it with, with any food you wanted. I think that it would be really delightful, too, with seafood. Oh, I uh, would love it with that. Or, like, with a nice fatty fish. Yeah. I think it would be lovely with a nice piece of salmon. Or roasted chicken, if you like. <laughs> or roasted chicken, or pretty much anything. So, I would say that this this wine could actually go a lot of places. Like, you could do a lot of different things with right. it. And I think a lot of times, again, you know, when you're looking to, say, bring a wine over to somebody's place. You stole my thunder. I was just about to say that. This is a great, safe 
Absolutely, easy bet. because and won't break the bank. It's not going to break the bank. Most people will like it. It it's it's very food friendly, but it doesn't require food. So you know, the next time that you're in a wine shop and you're looking down the miles and miles of Pinot Grigio or Chardonnay, you might have to ask for this one. I think that's a really great idea because typically that's exactly what people will bring, uh, take with them to a dinner party. Or at Christmas time, I find that uh, people tend to go a little sweeter for some reason. But anyway, uh, no, this is this this is. It's not like you're looking to impress anybody, but um, it's a wine you could be very proud and happy to bring uh, anywhere. Really, absolutely, I agree. You just poured me another glass. I did pour you another glass. It's got beautiful color. This one, you know, and that is the gift of the Malbec grape. So. How could we do a podcast about Argentinian wine and not do Malbec? I just think that that would be a terrible... I seriously considered not doing Malbec because I think people always only think of that. And there's so many wonderful uh, grapes that are available from there, like Bonarda. And there's... Anyway, there's quite a few. Well, we can revisit Argentina another time on another On another time. And we might do some, like an oddball grapes one. But I thought that we should probably do a Malbec. So the Malbec that I brought is from um, Riglos. So Riglos is in Mendoza. Oh, I also meant to mention that the Temonte is actually not from Mendoza, but from Salta province, which is a little bit further north, even higher altitude, 5,500 feet above sea level. And uh, this particular wine, the grapes were grown in Cafayate, which is in southern Salta province. And when I looked at the photographs, I just like, I want to go. It just looks so incredibly beautiful. Why don't you and I go? I'll leave the boys at home. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? I think it would. <laughs> okay, a little bit about Malbec. So Malbec um, originated in southwest France. And in southwest France, you might have heard... Um, of Cahors. If you were a wine lover, you might find have heard of Cahors, and Cahors is, is Malbec. But the Malbec that you get in France does not take, taste like the Malbec that you get in Argentina, because the Malbec from Argentina tends to be uh, everything that you'd want in a wine that you want to take to somebody's house when you're not sure what you're having, right? It's generally fruit forward. It is um, medium plus tannin. It is um, usually a nice representation of what a food-friendly red wine would be. So let's take a sniff of I, this I, Riglos. I just want to mention, too, I like the, what I like about the color especially is that I wouldn't call it purple and I wouldn't call it orange. Because sometimes those, those two types of um, hues are really pronounced in wine. But this is it just seems like a well-rounded color. It's a beautiful color. It's I don't know what you, I, it, you, it's you probably come up with the best. It's probably dark. I would call it. It's it it's between ruby and garnet. I mean, you might call it garnet. You might call it ruby. Uh, I think it depends on how much light you're in, and and also the Malbec generally is leans to a darker color. This one's okay. actually this one's actually not as dark. Um, it's pretty to look at. I'll tell it's you that. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful color, uh, clear as a bell. And let's see how it smells. <laughs> let's see how it smells. I smell sweat. <laughs> I mean, I smell beautiful flavors of red wine also. But there's a little. I would call that a nice earthiness. Oh yes, an earthiness. <laughs> Sorry, it just flew out of my mouth. <laughs> not a like not a disgusting sweat. Just a little bit of 
you know, let's call it leather. <laughs> it is a little bit meaty. <laughs> you remember we, we talked about when, way yeah. back when we yeah. did Syrah, we talked about it's a yeah. little bit meaty. I got that and, too. And this is a little bit meaty. This is a little bit meatier than your average uh, Malbec from Argentina. Is it? Yeah, because you generally they are just like all about the just the fruit, and this one has a few more a few more uh, layers of flavor. Yeah, for sure. Like I haven't tasted it yet, but um, I I'm not smelling tons of fruit. I'm just it, it smells well rounded. If that makes any sense, I think it is pretty well rounded. So it's 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 Let's got some it. some purple fruit. Do we taste purple fruit? Mm. Lots of fruit on the palate. Yes. It's softer than I anticipated. Not as much tannin as I thought there would be in it. Right, because it is relatively soft. So when you think about high tannins, Syrah is almost always, you know, right near the top of that list. And Pinot Noir is down near the bottom, or Gamay are down near the bottom of that list. Um Malbec is kind of in the middle. Can you? I know we're talking about Malbec today, but where's Zinfandel in that? Uh, more than Malbec, less than Syrah. Okay. Okay. Thanks. So, uh, assuming we're talking about red Zinfandel because I don't drink yes. the other kind. <laughs> Good to know. I think we have a Zinfandel podcast <clears throat> in our future. That okay. Sounds great. So, this is, this is beautiful. Uh, so interestingly enough, a few years ago, the owners of Riglos, who are originally from Buenos Aires, and the owners of Warpe, who make Timante, got together and formed a partnership. And I think that that was perhaps driven by um, the desire to share the winemaking talents of the Warpe Timante uh, winemaker, who's uh, obviously quite brilliant. So the winemaker that we're talking about is Jose Hernandez Tasso, and Jose, I'm so sorry if I've mispronounced your name. Um, quite well respected, has won uh, winemaker of the year in Argentina before, uh, and I think that he has a future as bright as he wants it to be. Like he started making wine when he was just a kid. His family, his great grandfather had a family estate, you know, like just a small family estate. And he made his first batch of wine when he was 17 years old. And he's not old now, but he's, you know, a middle-aged fellow and, and, you know, has experienced lots of experience. And I think it, it shows in the quality of, uh, of some of his wines. So congratulations to, um, both the founders of Riglos and Warpe for being clever enough to work together as opposed to against each other. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's not particularly common. <laughs> well, you know, I think wine is incredibly competitive and it's a very difficult um, world to make money at. I think people kind of have this illusion that, you know, there's that the, 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 the wineries are making tons of money. Well, you know, the big guys are. Um, I think I think after many many years or generations in the business, that's that's the truth. But to start off with, certainly not right. No, that the, there's a standing joke in the wine business, and it's how do you make a small fortune in the wine industry? You start with a large fortune. Yeah, <laughs> that's about right. So, so so here's to the here's to the the the, the people behind Warpe and Reglos. May their fortunes continue to grow and expand. Cheers. I'm Ruth Blakely. I'm Caroline Schwabi. Thanks for listening.